0: Thanks for listening to this episode of GPS God People Stories. Before we get into this week's story, we want to warn you that you're going to hear some ugly racial slurs. Unfortunately, they are part of our guest's
1: experience. Our guest, by the way, Brent Campbell. I run track, right? And I'm training in the summer. And these five white guys pull up on me in a pickup truck and um, they just start shouting, you know, things about how they're going to kill me. And um, niggers aren't supposed to be on their campus and, you know, go home, you coon. And just things I've never heard before.
0: Brent is going to share what he said and did. And you might be surprised to learn exactly how he responded to this situation. You're going to hear it all on this episode of GPS God people stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Jim Kirkland. And
2: I'm Phil Fleischman. After Brent talks about responding to racism and about how God transformed his own heart to love and not hate others, you'll hear some insight from Billy Graham on what the Bible says about skin color.
3: Now, the Bible doesn't tell us where the colors of skin came from. The Bible says we're made of one blood. All the races under heaven And we all are creatures of God.
2: Sharing the love of Jesus with people who are different than you is part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission, by the way, is the name of Jesus' last sermon, in which he told his followers to make disciples of people from all nations. You can learn more about doing that at this website, findpeacewithgod.net.
0: That's findpeacewithgod.net. Now, you may be right now in a spot where you just need some prayer, someone to talk to. We are here for you for that as well. Call our 24-7 prayer line at 888-388-2683. We've got people standing by waiting to hear what's on your heart. 888-388-2683. And if you weren't able to catch that number, no worries. It's listed in our show notes. GPS.
1: God. People. Stories. I grew up feeling like if you don't have sex with people and you don't cuss too much, you, pretty, you know, that's it. That's what you need to do growing up to be a believer. Don't cuss. Don't have sex with people.
0: Both of Brent's parents are Christians, and they were both in the military. His dad is a pastor, and as Brent put it, I've been in church my whole life, multiple times a week.
1: And so I was the most Christian Christian out of all my little Christian friends. You know, I was leading Bible studies. I was evangelizing to my, you know, my wicked wayward atheist friends. and, and Who were cussing and having sex. Right, right, who were cussing yeah. and having sex. And, you know, I was a good kid. You know, I didn't have any behavior issues. I was a good student, all that stuff, right? And um, And I would have said that, I was a believer, or rather, I would have said I was a Christian, like I would have said, you know, and everybody would have said, they would have been like, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely, <laughs> he definitely knows Jesus. And um, I led, I was a worship leader, and I, you know, I just did it all in church, and um, and I had a good name and a good reputation, and I didn't know God. I had heard of him. I sang his songs. I read his book, but I didn't know him. I had never met him.
0: That would change when Brent went to college. He chose the University of North Carolina,
1: Wilmington. I ran track there. That was a big reason that I, I went, but also because it was, you know, near home. And I loved being, you know, near my family and stuff. So um, UNCW in general, man, it was, one, it was the place that I found God. I think that's why I went to college. I went to college to become a believer. That's That was my story. Other people go to get degrees and stuff. But for me, it was just I needed to meet God. It was also a p- place of a lot of pain and hardship, and I think discovery. The pain and hardship Brent's talking about began with a girl. I got into this relationship. It, it ended really, really bad, and it, it became an idol in my life, like textbook idolatry, you know? And so, yeah, like, I, it, she just became my god and, like, everything in my world, and then that, like, whole relationship just crashed pretty suddenly. At the end of that, I realized that Essentially, I wasn't sure if God was real, you know, like I, I was pretty sure that if he was real, he was the God of the Bible. Like I had done enough research and you know, done enough arguing and debating with my friends. Like I felt like that was pretty true, but I wasn't sure if he was real. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't be sure. Brent had
2: spiraled into a seriously deep depression. In spite of his doubts about God, he continued to pray. But after about a week, he decided there was just no point in
1: going on. So I woke up that morning and I had my suicide plan all laid out. And I decided I would almost like kind of as an in, in homage to my parents, I would pray, you know, so I could at least say I prayed before I killed myself, you know, I, I tried everything. So I was praying this prayer over and over. God, give me the grace to forgive her. Take away the pain. Give me peace. Just over and over and over. And so after like an hour, nothing happened. You know, I don't know what I was expecting to happen, but I was just so angry. And I just um, got up off my knees and was like, hey, I always thought that you weren't real. But now I know for sure, because you said if I ever needed you, you'd be there. And I need you now more than ever. And where are you? Nowhere. So I grabbed my keys because I didn't want to do it in the house. Walking to my car, when I get to the door, I feel something tell me to go back and pray one more time. Now, I didn't know what it was at the time. Obviously, it was the Holy Spirit. But for me, I didn't want to die. I just had to, right? It was just math. It was like, if you're not real, there's no hope. I'm just wasting time. And so, I was pretty scared to die. So, either way, I went I went back to my room, and I, I prayed that prayer one more time. And I'm just like at the bottom, and I'm just weeping, weeping, weeping. In the middle of the word peace, like before I even finished, I just started like laughing. Like, just hysterically laughing. Now, in the beginning, I didn't realize what was happening. I just thought, I literally thought, well, I've barely eaten in like seven days, barely slept. I think I just went insane. And so I'm like, what is this? And I was like, I think I just went crazy. And the first time the Lord ever spoke to me and just like heard him so clearly, he was like, no, it's me. And I literally felt these arms wrap around me.
0: It was at that moment that Brent completely surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. It was around seven in the morning on the seventh day of the seventh month, 2012, the summer before his junior year in college. Just about a year later, Brent experienced something very different. And we need to warn you again that uh, you're gonna hear some offensive language.
1: One day I'm training, I run track, right? And I'm training in the summer. Um, This would have been, I guess, pretty, either early August or late July, about a year after my conversion. And these uh, five white guys pull up on me in a pickup truck and um, they just start shouting, you know, things about how they're going to kill me and um, niggers aren't supposed to be on their campus and, you know, go home, you coon, and just things I've never heard before. And it was one of those things where you feel like if you make the wrong move, like, it's going to go south real bad. So I just, like, I didn't say anything. I didn't look up. I just, like, put my head down and just ignored them until they, until they left. And then they came back and, and did it again, and one of the the guy driving like kind of shouted something to the um, effect of, hey, nigger, if you think I care about who you are or whatever, then you're wrong. Bram was
0: surprised by his initial reaction.
1: I, it never occurred to me to tell somebody, right, because I would experienced a lot of racism, and so it wasn't noteworthy to me. So I'm going to my car, and I'm thinking, like, I'm, fine. And I noticed that, like, I'm crying, right? And I'm just like, wait, why am I crying? Because I had promised myself a long time ago before I would never cry over white people and what they did ever again.
2: To better understand what Brent just said about white people, we need to go back a little farther in his story to middle school. That's really when he first experienced racism and when he basically began, as he describes it, hating
1: white people. I remember in the seventh grade, this is the first time I ever realized racism was a thing. Um, we were finishing up a project in class. We didn't get finished in time. The teacher said, hey, go home to each other's houses and finish. Right. And I was like, big deal. What's seventh grade? Like, this is like, you, you know, this is our first take home project. And so I get with my group. I'm like, OK. And uh, one of the students says, hey, like, we're all going to meet at my house and we're all going to we'll finish it there. And I was like, great. So where do you live? And he was like, well, you can't come. And I was like, why? He's like, because you're black. Right. So that was seventh grade in in social studies. So that was the moment I, I realized that racism was a thing.
2: So now back to that summer day in 2013, when Brent was verbally attacked by men in a pickup truck,
1: while he was running practice sprints on campus. So now I'm crying and the Lord speaks really clearly and says hey you need to go tell your coach and and so that's eventually how how it got out but I ended up going to talk to the coach and the athletic director and and they were like pretty zealous of like hey if we find these people we're going to we're going to prosecute them we're going to try and expel them. This is a hate crime and this is, you know, all these different things and I was kind of bothered by that. I felt like that wasn't the right response. And so I asked them if I could get a say in what happens to them because I didn't think that expelling them would help. And they kind of said, no, you know, but thanks for your input, you know, but no, we're going to handle it this way.
0: We asked Brent why he didn't want the guys in the pickup truck to be prosecuted.
1: One, mostly just because I love them. Like, there was this reality that I was crying for the first time because when I became a believer, it was a white man that discipled me, right? So I had all this bitterness and hatred in my heart towards white people. And then I became a believer, and, um, you know, two months later, I meet this, this white guy, and he became one of the pillar stones in my journey to the Lord.
0: That man and Brent became good friends. They also began doing ministry together around the idea of racial reconciliation on campus. God used that work to help Brent replace his hatred of white people with love. So he wrote a letter to the leadership of the university with an
1: idea of what he thought the punishment should be for the men in the pickup truck. To me, it seemed very clear about what the role of the gospel was in that situation. Like, it was like, love those who hate you and persecute you, despitefully use you, so you know I just just felt like well then how how could I do anything else? you know, like this isn't, and the reality was that I knew in the same way that I had gotten to know um other people that if they knew me and if we actually had relationship with each other, they would have never done those things. So I um, wrote this letter to the administration defending them and saying, hey, if they should be punished, their punishment should be that they have to sit down and get to know me uh, over dinner for a couple months. Um, And that should be their punishment.
2: Eating dinner together and getting to know each other seemed to Brent like the right thing to do and like the
1: thing that Jesus would do in the same situation. To me, I just felt like I had a responsibility. And I think that the work that had happened in my own heart of forgiving white people and seeing the redemption that Jesus was offering between our people in my own life uh, made it really, really clear that he had that for them too. But someone like me had to go to them in the same way that someone like them came to me.
0: The administration of the university shared Brent's letter with the entire student body. And then CNN heard about it and interviewed Brent. He had a hard time coming to terms with all the positive attention he was getting for doing something that he simply thought was
1: the right thing to do. For me, I never wanted to be the racial reconciliation guy, you know, because it wasn't that deep to me. It was a very simple. To me, the gospel is not complicated. It's just costly. It's not, it's not like a maze or anything. It's a straight trek uphill about three miles to the cross. Like, that's what it is, right? So it's very, very hard, but it's not complicated. Um, and racial reconciliation was just a small part of that. You know, like, that was never, like, a focus of my life. That was a necessary part. In order for me to surrender all that I had to the Lord, I had to give up the parts of my heart that were dedicated to hating people.
0: By the way, the men who threatened Brent were never found. But Brent's not hung up on that incident anymore. It's been seven years, and today he's on staff with the college ministry InterVarsity, and he spends most of his time with students at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte.
2: Brent also just got married a few months ago, and when it comes to his ministry work, racial reconciliation is a big part, but it doesn't
1: define what he's doing for Jesus. If we just evangelize the way Jesus says we should, eventually we'd run out of people that look like us. So if that's your way towards racial reconciliation, fine with me. I don't care as long as you get there some way, right? I'm just convinced that if anybody takes really any part of the gospel seriously, eventually you'll reconcile. And so my goal is to help people take it more seriously. That's what I feel like my ministry is about, helping people and learning for myself. What does it mean to practically follow Jesus in your everyday life?
2: The way Brent does that is through weekly Bible studies, chapel meetings, and one-on-one and small group get-togethers. Whatever the setting, Brent challenges the students he's discipling to take the gospel seriously in their own lives and to share Jesus with the people around them.
1: And it's good for them, right? Because they're learning like... I'm all about like you can't outsource the gospel. Nobody's going to do this for you, right? Like I can't do it for you. Your church can't do it for you. You like there are people God has placed in your life, and they will never step foot inside of a church. They'll never come to your Bible study. But if you don't start getting into the mindset now that they're your responsibility, right? That you've act you're on assignment, and no one else is going to come for them, yeah. if you don't, right? That's what I'm trying to hammer into them. Um, so. My students are amazing. They're, <laughs> they're crazy. They challenge my faith so much. The cross has the final
2: up its fight, but the cross has the final word.
0: As you've listened to this, as Brent Campbell's passion for telling people about Jesus inspired you to be bolder. In sharing your faith? Or has it got you wondering more about beginning a relationship with this Jesus? Either way, we have a website that can help you. It's findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net.
2: We mentioned at the beginning of this episode that Brent's dad is a pastor. Well, in just a minute, you're going to hear about the time Pastor Campbell pushed back on Brent's plans to go into ministry. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham
3: Evangelistic Association. I'm often asked if the Bible has anything to say about the beginning of the races and the various colors of skin. Billy Graham. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us where the colors of skin came from. The Bible says we're made of one blood. All the races under heaven. And we all are creatures of God. Here's what the scripture says. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. In other words, your heart is the thing God looks at. He doesn't look at the color of your skin. He doesn't look at your bank account. He doesn't look at your social standard. He looks upon your heart. And the question is not race or skin color. The question tonight is, can a man's heart be permanently changed? God can change it. And no one is ever going to get to heaven unless they have believed with all their heart and confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you tonight to receive it, to believe in your heart, to commit to surrender.
0: Billy Graham from a message titled Forgiveness. It was from his 1965 crusade in Honolulu. And it is one of, oh, about 1,500 messages that you can listen to on demand at the Billy Graham Audio Archives. Just go to BillyGrahamRadio.org and click on Billy Graham Audio Archives. There are some interesting similarities between Billy Graham and our
2: guest on this episode of GPS. College, racial reconciliation, and
0: telling people about the hope and peace that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The college experience was a pivotal one for Billy Graham. That is where he accepted his call into ministry. Then he served as a college president, and he held a series of outreaches on college campuses. He was also well-known for his work on racial reconciliation. And our guest, Brent Campbell, is in full-time college ministry,
2: and he works hard to bring about racial reconciliation. But Brent didn't study ministry in college. He graduated with a finance degree, and he felt God leading him to turn down
1: a high-paying job to go into campus ministry. And I was just like, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> like, I could just work for like two years, you know, and just save up. And then, um, and I mean, it was hard for my parents. Like oh, yeah. Even my dad's a pastor, right? Yeah. And, but he was very, um, very much like, you should not do this unless you're called. Yeah. And I was grateful for him because he made it difficult for me to, mm. to choose. Yeah. Um, but after I was done, I mean, we had a conversation. And he was like, I wanted it to be difficult for you because if you can stand up to me, then you'll be okay.
0: Brent Campbell has acquired quite a bit of wisdom and we really appreciate that he shared it with us on this episode and we really appreciate that you are there listening.
2: I'm Jim Kirkland and I'm Phil Fleischman. We also want to thank Newsboys for letting us use some of their music in this episode. GPS God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Yeah, my